Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode nine of season two of This Osteopathic Life. Today, I'd like to talk with you about coaching and coachability and what it means to have a coach and to be a coach and the impact that can have on our health. As in an early episode in season one about the idea of health, I talked about how the word would be used so much over the course of the episode that it might start to lose the meaning with which we are familiar. In that episode, it was health. And in this one, we're talking about the word coach and various iterations thereof. And the idea of hearing something so much and saying it so much that it starts to lose its meaning, I think can be both challenging and like most challenges, an opportunity. An opportunity to reconsider, to redefine, to reassociate ourselves in a different way, maybe to take up a more active engagement with a word that perhaps we've just ignored or we've seen so frequently that we don't give it much credence when it comes up, or maybe that we have a certain perspective or perception of what a word can mean and taking a broader scope, a higher view that allows us to engage differently with something that might've seemed familiar, but has something new and of greater value to offer us. And so for me, And for most of us, the idea of having a coach or being coached comes from athletics. You know, we think about it from a team background and having this coach guiding us, calling plays, running practices, uh, taking maybe responsibility, perhaps credit for the victories and the losses of a team. Sometimes it's one-on-one. You know, we think about sports that are less team-oriented, maybe golf or Swimming has the team aspect, but there are a lot of individual events in there where your coach is really relating directly to you. And I've appreciated the coaches that I've had, and I think about the presence of them in all these various events and activities and teams that I've been a part of over the years allowed me to be there. You know, without the coach, many of those wouldn't have happened. And as I've progressed from my childhood in all those teams and being coached through college into my adult life, it's been interesting for me as the idea of being a coach, or sometimes the word trainer came up for me, and I shared this in my personal story on the podcast in season one, that I wanted or thought that I wanted to leave medicine and instead be a coach or be a trainer and work with people in a movement-oriented way toward their health. And that felt like something that might be more true to my own desires, preferences, the way I see myself engaging with health as far as lifestyle choices and management. 
And thankfully, another person who acted in a coach-like role in my life, the director of medical education, made it possible for me to continue my path of medicine and not jump ship into coaching, but be able to continue my work. And over the years, I've been able to do both. So it wasn't an either or. It was more of a yes and situation where I was able to continue on that path of physicianship and training in the medical world and also find my footing as a coach of physical movement and exercise. And now I see ways they can be much more seamlessly integrated. And as I did some research for this podcast, I thought about the use of the word coach and teacher and mentor. And even right there, speaking of the director of medical education for me, I could apply any of those titles. And sometimes we use them interchangeably. And I think sometimes that's okay. And sometimes it can be helpful to think about the semantics and think about the nuances in what those different titles and different roles can mean and how we might access them in a more specific and helpful way to allow us to gain the most for our overall health, be that physically, personally, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, professionally, community-wise, familially. So I came across one source that broke them down. And before I get into that, I think about the word doctor and how we associate that originally with teacher, you know, imparting knowledge. And coach kind of came along later, you know, in the later 1800s is the first time it was used for the idea of, you know, leadership of a team. And thinking about what any of those roles can mean and the words, both in how we seek them, how we seek teachers and coaches and mentors in our life, and how we seek to be them, you know, how we show up when we're taking up that role, whether it be formally in leading a team, whether it be directly in engaging with a student, or whether it just be in how we show up in our lives and what we want to embody. And I will say, in the world of medicine, you know, the idea of holding all the knowledge for physicians has changed. And in the book Undoctored, if you've read that um, by the same author as Wheat Belly, there's this idea that all the knowledge is there. It's available, right? We have the internet and you can look up any medical condition and any symptom and you can see the recommended treatments and the medications. And the role of the physician, of the doctor in that relationship now has changed from having all the knowledge. You know, previously everything was kind of held up and medical libraries are accessible only by physicians and the knowledge was internal and the physicians held it all and were responsible for disseminating it to the masses, to their patients and making the recommendations. Now that it's all widely and publicly available, the role of a physician changes to still hold that information, but understand that the volume is so great you know, that we can't have it all in our heads all at once. So to become a shepherd of the information and to glean the key parts and to translate for patients and to understand that patients have the information without the understanding a lot of the times and how to be a conduit that way. So the role of teaching and sharing the information has shifted. And so I'm going to give you these different approaches, different definitions and interpretations of these roles that we often use interchangeably. And I'll let us pause for a minute and ponder and think about 
the differences in the approaches and when it's helpful to know them, to integrate them, to adhere to them. And when we might also see freedom kind of to move more fluidly between them. So the first talks about teaching and training. And in this case, we're talking about an expert teacher imparting knowledge to students. And there are many different ways to teach. We're experiencing that right now. You know, we've gone from in-person teaching in our school settings to all virtual and online and some pre-recorded and some live and the difference in interaction due to video lags and it's, it's all changing, right? That medium is changing. But in this definition, again, this is one way to think about it. It's about there's a person who has the knowledge and they're imparting that on people who don't yet have the knowledge. You know, so there's this divide, there's this gradient of knowns and unknowns and how that's being transmitted. And there are certainly many different ways and styles of teaching and lighting the fire of learning before the simple understanding of this role and use of the word more than anything. Think about teaching and imparting knowledge. Coaching, as referenced in this particular article, involves the belief that the individual has the answers to their own problems within them. So rather than being a specific subject expert, the coach is focused on bringing out from the individual what is already there, drawing it forth, and encouraging them, empowering them to work through whatever challenges they have based on their internal skills. Next, I talk about mentoring, and they relate it to coaching similarly. And mentoring serving as a guide, and it might help someone to learn or to gain skills faster than they might do alone, but they are still focusing on you know, what that person has within, drawing on their own personal experience. So a mentor might be more likely in that same field, where the coach may not necessarily be an expert in the field, but is an expert on harnessing that internal capacity. So the mentor uses some coaching skills more aligned with that specific area in which the person is working. They also talk in this about counseling and counseling as a more therapeutic engagement, focusing on the past, looking at overcoming barriers and being able to move forward. Again, these are generalizations in simplified ways to look at these roles. And what came up for me as I looked at this and I thought about myself and how I show up, how I'm engaged in different areas of my life as holding some of these roles. And I certainly think about being a teacher. You know, I've worked directly in medical education. I have students come through still. Right now, you know, I'm helping teach at home as my kids are home and teaching. And that imparting of knowledge, yes, you know, there are simply some facts that I know that the people I'm teaching don't yet know and finding ways to engage with them so that they are able to understand, incorporate, address the knowledge, but also to be drawn to understand the concepts and in a most priority to be drawn to want to know more and to want to continue learning and for that learning to go beyond me and with anything we want our students to exceed our skill set and knowledge you know to serve as a launch pad 
and for them to take what we know and to expand on it and to gain and become you know teachers of the next generation and teaching people you know how to think and not want to know and there's certainly a balance point between that again sometimes you just need to be told new facts and to understand simple concepts but ideally and in the best case scenario we are offering opportunity in that teacher role of encouraging lifelong learning and i think about teachers i've had and the ones who have been so inspiring you know have been maybe less traditional out of the box teachers and made me understand that i had the capacity to to do the work and to go beyond and so i think perhaps some of the best teachers naturally and inherently incorporate these characteristics of coaching that we heard in these descriptors where they have the knowledge there is a gradient you know they might have some expertise in their field but then they also uphold some of those coaching characteristics of really drawing it out from the person you know and knowing there's this inherent capacity to learn and to know and to have growth and they're using that in an effective way to draw that out of the person and as I read these definitions, you know, I thought about the approach that I've always taken and that I understand osteopathic medicine to be based on the tenets. And I've said before that patients will sometimes present, particularly in my specialty, you know, they have a complaint of pain, they associate with a structural challenge, you know, disruption in their body, and they want it fixed and they might present, you know, for this tune-up or repair or fixing and I often have the conversation that that's not what's happening you know that their body has the inherent capacity to be well something has interrupted it but the work is really to draw that out of them and to understand where it began you know where that disruption first was observed and what might still be in the way and what tools might be needed for them to help them address it for themselves what skills might I present that might help remove those obstructions, but really coaching them on their best health and teaching them about their inherent capacity. And even leading into the mentor idea, you know, can we mentor and shepherd the health forward? So as osteopathic physicians, we have experience with the health. And for those who are seeking to walk a closer line or, open the floodgates of health in their bodies and in their lives, helping lead them toward those principles that might help them engage with it in a more effective and efficient manner. So I wonder if all along, you know, those desires I had to be a trainer and a coach of the health weren't totally aligned, you know, with what I was called to do in my specialty and with the opportunity that still remains to be a leader and an imparter of knowledge to be a mentor, but ultimately to help others see that they already have everything they need within them, but they might need some assistance in accessing it and peeling away layers that might have covered it up to removing obstructions internally and externally and serving as 
a knowledgeable support, as an encourager, as a guide. And it's been really fascinating for me in this next stage and phase of my personal and professional life, working with coaching from the life coach perspective. And this is a phrase that comes up a lot, and there are a lot of different approaches and companies. And I'm currently just beginning a certification process for this, for the aspect of learning, you know, to gain understanding and expertise. And along the way, you're called to coach yourself and to work with other coaches and to practice coaching peers. And it's so fascinating to see how this can draw upon my work in medicine, my work in athletics, my work coaching young sports teams and teaching in residency programs and in the mentorship relationships that I have. And for me, it's been largely on the peer level. All the mentoring that I've had has come truly from those really along my same trajectory, maybe a year or two or three or so ahead. But learning from those who are involved and aware of my area of expertise and specialty and able to offer a different perspective to help guide me forward. And the idea of coaching in the medical world and for physicians specifically has come up a lot more formally in, I'd say, the past 12 months or so, looking at the impact on the well-being of physicians through the use of a professional coach. And that's a large part of what drew me into it myself, you know, for myself, for my own care and well-being and professional endurance, and also to help serve fellow physicians and looking at, you know, in what way that can be useful. And I think of the phrase health coach, which is also, you know, in the media and in popular culture, and very different, very different than the idea of having a professional coach. Still has a place, you know, in serving as a day-to-day inspiration and factor for leading someone forward through various goals, be it nutrition or sleep or stress management. But I think not just being a life coach or a health coach, my feeling as an osteopathic physician, particularly in the specialty of neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine, I have been a coach of the health all along. You know, that's what I've been experiencing since day one of medical school. And in the beginning, it was through gaining knowledge so I could become better aware of the inner workings of the body. And into clinical years, putting on those layers of putting the people with the pathology and the physiology and gaining greater understanding and in residency, building skills to engage directly with the health and through teaching, learning it well enough to be able to speak it to others. And then as I've stepped beyond in these more recent years and had the experience of also owning a CrossFit affiliate and directly coaching athletes in classes, learning how to speak the language of movement more effectively and bring that piece in as well. 
and now incorporating some of these life coach principles and coaching into the health of mind, you know, and health of thinking. And it sounds like to me, the spirit piece is coming and maybe has been there as an undercurrent, but as a place and into that kind of feeling space has always been harder for me to tap into. And so learning or maybe understanding and appreciating the work of coaching spirit and encouraging that inherent capacity there will be the next iteration or add and a place that is so important as I think about the integration of the whole. And so I have been working with a collective of colleagues in my specialty. We all have different approaches you know, to osteopathic medicine in different roles, clinically, educationally, administratively. But I'll be curious to take this conversation to them in our next meeting and see how it feels to them and where we can potentially go together. To my broader audience, outside of the osteopathic medical specialties, I think about what it means to have your health coached and to whom you might turn for coaching of health and thinking about those aspects, right? We keep it in that triune of body, mind, and spirit. And maybe there's someone who hits them all for you effectively. Maybe there's a different person or a group or a number of people for each of them to whom you turn when you want to draw more health out of those aspects. I want you to think about the idea of being coached to tap into your innate capacity. So certainly coaches can teach you new skills, right? There's basketball coaches who can show you how to do a layup for the first time or how better to stand or to use, you know, the whole jumping mechanism or finesse movement of the wrist to make a shot better. But they're drawing that out of you and showing you ways to tap into it, be that through drills or practice. They're not doing it for you. You They can't take the shots, but they can show you ways to take them and encourage frequency of repetition. But it's your work that comes from that with which you are innately gifted, but largely from that you are willing to work. Seeing what our own resources are enough times and in a way that allows us to truly believe it and own it, both the opportunity and the responsibility. So that's one challenge is when we see that it really lies within our capacity for health, you know, we have to take some responsibility of that. And it's not to say there aren't external measures that are necessary. You know, we have emergencies and we need treatment and support, certainly, But understanding our inherent and innate capacity for health is so important. And being coached to that can come from our physicians, can come from our healthcare workforce on a larger scale, can come from our family and our coworkers and various levels of interactions. One thing that I think is so important as we talk about coaching and how we take up the role of coach in our lives in various ways with the nuance of any of those roles as we discussed, teacher, mentor, counselor, coach. <clears throat> and we're talking a bit about being coached 
and what that looks like and what that means. And we can't talk about it without bringing up the idea of coachability or being coachable. And this is key. It's critical. It's imperative. You know, coaching really can't happen and certainly can't happen to its fullest potential if the individual or the group being coached isn't receptive. You know, if they don't demonstrate an ability to listen and to learn and to understand that they're not all the way there, that yes, they might have all the components deep within, but they're not all engaged and and acted upon in a way that's drawing them to their fullest capacity yet and being willing to take feedback and make adjustments, make course corrections, and sometimes big shifts, you know, totally abandon ways of doing things, you know, foundational thought processes that are no longer effective. You know, there's new information and your coach is bringing it to you and you can either hold tight to what you had before, even when it's not working, it hasn't worked for you, it's not working now, it's no longer working, or you can be willing to step forward and take on new ideas and new methods. And as a residency program director, this was big, you know, the teachability came up and again, talking about the interchange of those words. And that was really the ideal resident you were looking for. Certainly past performance and scores and experience were helpful, but ultimately it was the person who was willing and able to learn, wanted to learn, was able to understand and appreciate that there was knowledge outside of them to be gained and that there were new ways to think about things that would allow them to step forward on their path toward physicianship. And I think about that in the gym. You know, in CrossFit, really it could be for anyone, but it's not for everyone and it's certainly not for the person who doesn't want to be coached. You know, the benefits from CrossFit come from the community and the programming, but largely come from being willing to take on new information new ways of doing things, you know, shifting movement patterns. And it can be really frustrating. You know, and a lot of people who come into the gym might have had a very successful career in a certain um, arena of athletics, but they haven't done gymnastics movements or weightlifting. And I'm addressing this directly to myself. And while you are used to being good at what you were doing, if you're not immediately good at what the tasks are at hand, It can be really frustrating and you're done and you give up, or it can be an opportunity to continue to learn and to challenge your body and to to new movement patterns and to grow. But from a safety perspective, the willingness to be coached is so crucial so that if patterns are unfavorable, an individual will make adjustments according to what the coach advises them to move in a safer way that will protect them and move them forward in strength and speed and endurance gains. I think about it with young athletes. I've coached various sports teams and there are amazingly talented young athletes who have great foot skills and score all the goals. But for the greatest good of the team, if they aren't willing to hear what they might still need to do to get better or to make the team better, that can be really frustrating in those athletes who are receptive and who are engaged and who are looking every day for what could I learn today? What could get better for me today that helps the team? 
those are truly the athletes that make the difference, both in the experience of coaching and for the overall impact of the team. I think about the skills needed to be an effective coach, and certainly different teams respond to different dynamics, you know, and how they want feedback, you know, critical feedback, only enthusiastic, you know, there's different ways to approach it. But understanding and asking yourself, am I coachable? You know, am I willing to listen and to learn and also to understand that I have so much capacity within? You know, sometimes there's the lack of coachability from the perspective of I'm already good, I've got this, and that's challenging. And there's also the other end of not having faith in oneself or trusting that there is this inherent capacity and it can be hard to draw from that, you know, if it seems like an empty space. And so looking along that spectrum on where you might lie and how you can shift that toward that central place of, I had the skills, you know, I have the talent, I'm able to work hard, I have more to learn, and I'm here to grow. You know, those are some of the mindsets that we can take into this experience. And so I step forward into this week, into these next few weeks, into this new world that we're in at the moment, and think about that whole trajectory within my life and what it's meant to be coached, to be part of a team, to coach others, and how I can continue to grow in my understanding of that opportunity of that responsibility and how I want to show up in both roles in the giving and receiving of coaching. The end of the day, I really have a lot of gratitude for all of those who have been a part of my life and allowed me to be coached and allowed me to coach them. And for this opportunity to marry these worlds you know, for me, of athletics and of mind work and physicianship in a way that the common thread of health through all of those can successfully be woven and maintained and understood and upheld. And so I encourage you to think about where you are acting as a coach for others and what nuances of imparting knowledge and inspiring to inherent capacity you're bringing and maybe what language you might use or what behaviors you might adjust to be more fully and authentically the coach that you want to be for others. And I challenge you to think as well of where you are being coached currently and what your level of coachability might be. You know, are you receptive? Do you have faith in yourself? Do you believe and trust in your inherent capacity? And are you willing to work with this other person and these other people in order to draw that successfully from within? I'd also challenge you to think about where you're not in either of those roles, and perhaps you could be. Maybe you could serve as a coach for someone else right now in this phase of their life in a simple way, just reminding them that these things are possible, that they have the capacity, that they have the support, 
Or perhaps you need a coach. You need someone to turn to who can help you tap into those resources within yourself. And I encourage you to reach out. There are lots of available opportunities there and likely right in your own community and in this time of virtual life, certainly in the broader community connected through the World Wide Web. So as we all head into this week, working through the ideas of coach and coachability. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.